Good morning, everybody. That's a long, long, long reading and a speech that Jesus was giving about himself, and we're going to dig into that in a few minutes, but before we go there, I want you to look at the screen and see what does this make you feel? Turkey dinner? What about this one? Ooh. What about this one? Oh, yeah. That's the one right there for me. That just might be the Mandarin, just maybe, right there. Are you dying right now, looking forward to lunch today? All of these uh, pictures remind us and are connecting to what Andrew just read for us from John chapter 6, Jesus, the bread of life. One of the saddest two-word phrases for me personally is gluten-free. <laughs> it means no wheat, and no wheat means... No bread. That's not a good thing in my books. Sometimes you have to for uh, health reasons, I know that, but, but we're going to look at uh, how Jesus described himself as bread. Many, many, many descriptions in the Word of God about the Lord, and, and it uses physical, tangible ways of describing who he is. And each one of them helps us to understand his character, his nature, and his purpose. One of them is he is the bread of life. We're going to dig into that today, so you might remember at the beginning of our service this morning, the worship team sang and led us in Psalm 34, where the psalmist writes, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify or magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And then just a few short verses later, he says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. I love that phrase. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So a question for us to think about this morning is, what do you taste and see today when you come to church like this morning? When we gather together as God's people, and even in your own faith personally, how do you taste and see that the Lord is good? As we approach Christ, somehow we are able to taste of his goodness, to see his goodness. How? If God is spirit, we can't see him or touch him. If taste and sight are two of our physical senses, our five senses, how can these help us connect with Jesus, who is invisible? Let's keep these questions in mind as we move along. So if you're not there yet, turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, we were just reading there, and we're going to walk through the text and discover what Jesus means by, I am the bread of life, and then how we can taste and see of his goodness today. So look with me at the beginning of John chapter 6. There is one of the signs of Jesus, which we will, we will uncover in a number of weeks. Someone else will preach on this. Jesus feeds the 5,000. This was physical bread. And you might remember the story. They gathered together and they were hearing Jesus teach and all of a sudden they realized, really, we don't have enough food for thousands of people. And a little boy came up with five loaves and two fish and they were multiplied miraculously by the Lord. He prayed and they were multiplied. And the people were blessed by that physical bread. And then look with me, the response, verse 14, John chapter 6, verse 14 after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. 
So they were connecting already something about Jesus' personhood and his character. And look with me in John chapter 6. The next story is Jesus walks on water. And so he left with the disciples. They go out and they got into a boat on the lake. And uh, it was dark and he walks on water. And then, look with me, that's another story. We're not going to get into that in detail. Verse 25, uh, verse 24, once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there where they were before, they also got into boats and went to Capernaum to search for Jesus. Verse 25, they found him on the other side of the lake and they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Because it was another miracle. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, you were looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, verse 26, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So before we move too much farther into the passage, here's one life lesson today that I want you to take note of. You can write it down if you'd like. So how can we taste and see of the Lord today, his goodness? Here's one. Worship God as you taste and see his material provision. That's based on that first story of the feeding of the 5,000. Everybody was gathered, he fed them physically, and they knew he was a prophet. He was something unique, someone unique, and there was worship there. And so we can do that today, can't we? And we should do that. We should do that. Don't forget to praise him for the simple things. Food on the table, clean water to drink, a roof over your head. Many people around the world don't have that today. And we are so blessed in Canada. Taste and see that the Lord is good and worship him because of the simple things in life. But Jesus pointed out the people's true motive. You might notice that in verse 26. He said, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw the miraculous signs, but because you had a good meal. And so they had chased him down a second time after the feeding of the 5,000, because they were hungry again, and they thought he could bring another miraculous meal together. That's why they were looking for him. Homer uh, Kent, a theologian, writes that many of those who were fed at this big meal wanted to see Jesus again. Yet Jesus said that their eagerness was not due to their seeing in the miracle a sign of his Messiahship with all of its implications. Rather, what they had seen was a meal and very little else. Isn't that a sad statement? He challenged them to give their attention to spiritual nourishment, which was available to them. Look with me at what Jesus said continually at verse 26. I tell you the truth, you were looking for me not because of the miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. You see the switch there? Jesus transitions from physical bread to spiritual bread. Don't get absorbed by the physical friends this morning. Don't get absorbed by what you see and touch and feel as if that's the totality of the Christian life. The bread at the feeding of the 5,000 pointed to something much greater than the physical food. Do you understand that? It's called a sign because it points to something else. If you look at a stop sign out on the street corner here, the stop sign is just a hunk of metal and a wooden pole. It means nothing on its own. That means something different, doesn't it? Stop means something entirely different. That's what this sign is. 
The feeding of the 5,000 pointed to Jesus, who is the bread of life. Right, church? He is. And so Jesus says, don't work for this kind of food that's physical. Work for something different. This was a sign pointed to Jesus as the master over creation and all of its elements and as Jehovah Jireh, our provider. So here's life lesson number two. Believe in Christ to taste and see eternal food. Absolutely, we worship God because of his material provision. All of us experience that, and we taste and see his goodness physically. But if we don't taste and see his goodness spiritually, we will not see heaven someday. That is only experienced through the Spirit. So let's walk through continually what does this text say about what it means to taste and see spiritual food? What does it mean to work toward food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you? Here's an example that the people brought up in verse 31. They were talking with Jesus, and they said, Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert, Actually, Jesus said this, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And so they asked, they said to him, well, there was physical bread back in the Old Testament. That was provision. But Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, verse 32, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Jesus is the true bread. Do you see that here in the text? And then verse 33, there's more. For the bread of God is he, 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 that's a pronoun. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus is unpacking his description of himself as bread. And so verse 34, let's keep going through. They responded, from now on, give us this bread. The people said, and then verse 35, Jesus answered, I am the bread of life. Come to me and never hunger or thirst again. So the next section of the text talks at great length about eating and drinking. And it's kind of complex. So stay with me here. Go down, way down to verse 53. Verse 53. So just before that, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. You need to to eat my bread and drink my bread. My blood. And then the Jews began to argue uh, sharply in verse 52 How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So, verse 53 Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. What does it mean to eat his flesh and drink his blood? Doesn't that sound creepy? Gross? Cannibalistic, even? But just remember what Jesus did earlier in the text. He transitioned from physical bread to spiritual bread. And he's still there. He's still talking spiritually here. We need to remember that. Simply feast on Christ, his word, and his presence. That might be something to write on your notes page today. How do we eat his flesh and drink his blood? Feast on Christ his presence, and his word. And we're doing that this morning. There are many clues in what it means to eat and drink. So verse 29, we work for spiritual food by believing in the one 
sent by God the Father. That is eating his flesh, drinking his blood. We believe in Christ. Verse 33, we read, Jesus is the true bread from heaven. He gives life to the world. He is that bread. We feast on him. Verse 35, belief in Christ is eternal food and drink. We never grow hungry and thirsty again. Let me read that for you. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Do you see how that works? Belief is feasting on him. Verse 40, more clues. Everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. Taste and see that the Lord is so good. Amen? Verse 47, there's more. I tell you the truth, he who believes has eternal life. It's so simple. Verse 51, I am the living bread that comes down from heaven, Jesus said. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Verse 57, Another clue, just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. And finally, verse 58, the connection of manna in the Old Testament. Manna led to death. That was physical food. Jesus, spiritual food, leads to life. Friends, there are so many passages in God's word that connects this concept of salvation in Christ in many different ways. In John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's feasting on Christ when you come to the Father through Jesus. In John chapter four, you remember the story of Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman. And this was a story more or less about water. Not bread, but water. So John chapter four, whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The same concept again, just different language. John chapter eight, another term, Jesus calls himself the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's seeing that the Lord is good. John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, will live. So though he may die physically, will live spiritually forever. Jesus said, I am the door for the sheep. Remember that famous verse in John chapter 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's all the same language, all the same story, salvation in Christ. Believe in Christ to taste and see eternal food. Finally, at the end of the book of John, this is is the basis for the entire summer series. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. How do you taste and see that the Lord is good? Believe in him. Believe in him. In every way, believe that what he says is true. Believe that who he says he is, is true. D. 
Do you know that you can taste and see the Lord in heaven after you die? This is absolutely assured as, we tr- as you trust Jesus with your life. If you believe that he is God's son, if you accept his death on your behalf for the sins that you have committed, for the debt that you owe, you trust him with all of that, and your eternal life is secured. So here are things that I want you to remember. Unbelief leads to death. But belief leads to life. This is tasting and seeing the goodness of God is belief. If you have never prayed to receive Christ, friend, today, either here or online, I'm talking to all of you today. If you've never trusted Christ with your life, this life and the next, today's the day. Today's the day. The welcome is open to you. Why not today? Without him, you will never be granted entrance into heaven. And you will never be able to live this life to the full that he has promised. So if this has piqued your interest, if your heart is beating a bit faster because you don't understand what this tasting and seeing in salvation really means, talk to one of us afterwards. Talk to one of the pastors. We would love to lead you through what it means to really believe in Christ and to trust your life with him. Jesus is the bread of life, the bread of eternal life. Today we've been reminded that we can worship God for his material provision, and we should. Taste and see physically. We've been reminded that John 6 teaches about believing in Christ for eternal life. This is tasting and seeing spiritually. Now, let's turn our attention to what's before us. The table of the Lord, where in a sense, those two things come together, physical and spiritual come together. What is the purpose of the communion feast? Well, life lesson number three, remember Jesus as you taste and see him at his table. We worship, we believe, and we remember. Three different ways of tasting and seeing our God. So here, our senses are activated, aren't they? You're going to walk forward in a few moments. You're going to pick up bread and juice, and you're going to drink. You're going to see. You're going to smell that. You're going to hear worship that's going on all around you. All the senses are engaged at the table of the Lord. So this is tasting and seeing spiritually, but it's not only spiritual, is it? As we pick up this little piece of bread, which honestly, is just simple bread. It does not transform into the body of Christ. It's just bread. It helps us to remember Jesus and his body. As we taste this, it's just simple grape juice. It doesn't transform into the blood of Christ because that would be to take this text physically. Jesus said, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that works toward eternal life. It's spiritual. We remember Christ But we use our senses, don't we, to remember in a spiritual way what Christ has done for us. Our senses are activated as we lift the juice and we drink it, as we walk forward, as we witness others worshiping around us, as we listen to music and we sing along. These physical acts teach us what's happening in the spirit. We do not physically taste Christ's flesh and drink his blood. We do so in spirit. Remember his love seen at the cross. 
One verse said, God demonstrated his love for us in this. Even though we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Are you thankful for his sacrifice this morning? He died for you. He died for me. He died so that forever his people will remember what he has done and give him glory because of it. We are thrilled by the empty tomb, aren't we? Christ has risen, and because he has risen, we too are assured of our own resurrection someday. And we humbly worship him for the forgiveness of sins and a restored relationship with God. This is what it means to worship, to taste, to see at his table. So many things to remember. So are you ready to taste and see that the Lord is good? Are you ready this morning? We worship God as we taste and see his physical provision. We believe in Christ for eternal life, tasting and seeing forever. And we remember Christ as we taste and see him at his table. Let's take a moment and pray right now. This is a time where you can silently confess your sin. That is the things that you know you have done this week that have been contrary to the law of God, the things you have thought or said or done which are not right. That is sin that breaks relationship with you and God. So confess those things. And then ask the Lord to meet you in this act of worship. Ask him to renew your love for him in such a way that you truly can taste and feast on him right now. Let's pray for a moment. Lord Jesus, we come to you with thanksgiving in our hearts and praise on our lips for your love, your mercy, your grace. Displayed at the cross, without you shedding your blood, we could never experience the forgiveness of sins. We taste and see your goodness every day in the many material blessings that are ours. Food on the table, employment, friends, family. You are good. We taste and see your salvation, Christ, as we place our faith and trust in you. Eternal life with you in heaven. You are good. And now we come with expectancy as we come to the table. As we remember and we look beyond the physical bread and juice and we see your body broken for our sin. And we see your blood that flowed for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you for taking this punishment upon yourself, that which was rightly ours. Today we remember you and we worship you. And it's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Just a reminder, I'll stay up at the front here. If anyone would like, would like to chat, to talk about what we discovered this morning, I'll be here at the front as well. Reminder to take your little cups with you and deposit them in the bins at the way out. Also, a reminder today, every time we have the communion service, we also take up a benevolent offering. If you want to contribute toward the needs of those in our church and community in small ways, maybe change in your pocket or whatever, um, head back to the back doors and they are back there on the way out. Let's pray for our camps this week. They start in just a matter of hours, tomorrow morning. Pray for the hundreds who will be coming through for the next number of weeks, for the workers, for the leaders, for the story of salvation. Friends, pray that many, many people this summer will taste and see the Lord is good for the first time. 
And remember also to pick up at the way, on the way out a pastor's reflection on gambling at the Welcome Center today. There's a paper that Pastor John has written. If you'd like to discover a little bit of what we understand as a church, head on out there and grab that on the way out. Let's pray together. Lord Christ, we have worshipped you this morning, and you are so good. We thank you for the way that you have drawn us together as a people this morning before your word and in response of worship. And now we pray that all these things that we have learned and seen in your word and sung about and prayed, Lord, that these would not soon disappear from our memories and from our very hearts, that we would leave these doors, change people for your glory, better than ever before, able to see and to taste that you are good and to show others how to do the same. We give you praise for all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.